In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Uh, good morning, everyone. Uh, my name is Father Ben, if you don't know me, um, one of the priests here at the table. And today we start our Epiphany series, which is called Beholding and Becoming. Uh, as Matt mentioned earlier, Epiphany, uh, the meaning of Epiphany is just a revealing. And um, it's about the revealing, this season is about the revealing of the glory of God incarnate in the body of Jesus to be the Savior of the whole cosmos. And so we seek in this season to behold his glory, to see it, and uh, then open ourselves to be transformed by his glory, to become what we see uh, in Christ. This is, friends, what it means to be saved. And so uh, let's behold and become uh, as we uh, examine together, as we see Christ in the texts for today, this first Sunday of Epiphany, the, where we celebrate the baptism of our Lord. Um, I'll start off by saying this. Do you guys remember when we were so naively happy for 2020 to be over? Mm-hmm. Wasn't that cute? Of course, it's an arbitrary number. Uh, We all know this, Um, but it did feel like maybe it was the turning of a new page and 2021 came in and was like, hey, uh, hold my beer and uh, showed us some stuff that uh, feels like it's even crazier than 2020 was. January had already been filled with uh, political chaos, dangerous power grabs at the highest levels of our government. And then on Wednesday, as Matt mentioned, on Epiphany, at the instigation of a sitting president, a violent mob stormed the Capitol building with zip ties, guns, and bombs in a terroristic attempt to intimidate lawmakers, overturn election results, many of them carrying uh, racist signs and slogans, and also many of them carrying signs indicating that they were doing this in the name of Jesus, which is literally what it means to take the Lord's name in vain. It was an idolatrous, uh, blasphemous, demonic action rooted in the violence of white supremacy, designed to terrorize and traumatize and intimidate, and painfully, not surprising at all, many of these people were radicalized in the churches that a lot of us grew up in and a lot of us associate with, with our fusion of faith and nationalism, sermons about taking back America for God, glorifying violence, a toxic version of masculinity that we labeled as biblical. It was a heavy week. Uh, It was a heavy um, event to witness, and I think especially uh, for those of us who identify as Christians. Plus, friends, we're still enduring this global pandemic that's killing record numbers of people each week, it seems. Um, Because of that pandemic, we're also continuing to quietly suffer from loneliness and depression, because of our isolation from each other, with many months to go until we can still gather all together safely. Uh, In the meantime, we try to do this. We gather together on Zoom and this is okay. Uh, And it affords us some uh, ability for other people to gather with us uh, from other places, but we still struggle. We don't really know how to be the people of God when this is our only connection with each other week to week. And many of us are also, I just talked with somebody this morning, dealing with relationships with family and friends that have been permanently damaged or altered because of the politics and the conspiracy theories surrounding this election and this pandemic, we're still dealing with a great deal of pain. It seems like our comfortable, predictable world is being ripped 
to shreds. It feels like our world is the earth that is described at the beginning of our Genesis passage for today, an empty, formless void, darkness covering the face of the deep. It's this picture of chaos, a picture of destruction, a picture of anti-creation. And it feels like these forces of chaos are pulling our world apart at the seams right now. But beloved, uh, we have good news today. God's spirit is still sweeping over the face of the deep. God's breath is still hovering over our waters of chaos. And in the midst of the violence and the injustice and the suffering, God is speaking light to the darkness. God is bringing order to the chaos even now. Friends, our good news this morning is that in Christ, God wades into the waters of our brokenness, fully and forever sharing in our humanity so that we can share in his divinity right here and now as beloved children empowered by the spirit to be new creation, human as God is human, becoming light as we behold the light in the midst of the darkness and chaos that still surrounds us. We see this in the creation story that uh, Carlo read for us when the earth was an empty void, darkness covering the face of the deep, God's breath was sweeping over the face of the water. Waters in uh, ancient Near Eastern thought uh, were not thought of as beautiful beaches uh, with yachts and vacation spots. Uh, Waters represented the chaos which threatens to upend and frustrate and drown life. Waters were thought of as capricious. They change quickly. They bring terror. They bring destruction. But in the midst of that picture of these waters of chaos covering the earth, the picture we see here at the beginning of creation is that God's spirit is sweeping over these waters and this dark, formless, empty void, and he speaks light and creates life in the midst of those chaotic waters. And friends, the creation story isn't given to us so that we would know the facts about what happened a long time ago. The creation story is given to us to give us hope because what God did at the beginning of creation is what God continues to do. In fact, God's not done creating. It's not like he created and then, and then we're doing something else now, but God continues to create. His spirit continues to sweep over the waters. This first creation story, there's a second one in Genesis 2, by the way. This first one, though, was likely written down while Israel was in exile in Babylon, cut off from their life in the promised land, from their worship in the temple, from everything that made them God's people. They were tempted to despair of ever returning to that lovely place of being able to worship in the temple, of being God's people in the land, in covenant fidelity with God. And I resonate with this <laughs> preaching to you here on Zoom. Um, our normal ways of worship have been upended, disrupted. And uh, I fear sometimes that um, what the consequences of all of this are going to be. I really miss hearing our voices blending together in prayer and praise. I miss being able to give you the sacrament uh, with my hands in your hands. I miss giving hugs and high fives and handshakes. I miss having people in our house sharing food and smiles and stories from the week. And so telling the creation story is a way, just as the ancient Israelites, for them to hold on to hope in the midst of uh, the disrupted life that they were living. When all signs of order and light in our lives have been destroyed, we have to look for signs 
of the creative work of God beyond our control in the cracks and the crevices of the brokenness that we live through. So I need this hope for the creation story today, that God's spirit is still sweeping over the face of the deep, still creating light from darkness, still bringing order out of the chaos, still bringing life from emptiness. As the psalmist declares, the Lord sits enthroned over the flood. God is king of our chaos, and his voice speaks today not to frighten or terrorize, but to give us strength, to give strength to his people and to bless his people with peace. So friends, what are the formless voids that disturb you today? Where is there chaos creeping into the edges of your life? Hear the good news today that God sits enthroned over the waters of chaos. God is speaking light to the darkness. In Christ, God wades into the waters of our brokenness, fully and forever sharing in our humanity so that we can share in his divinity right here, right now as beloved children, empowered by the Holy Spirit to be new creation, human as God is human, becoming light as we behold the light in the midst of the darkness and chaos that still surround us. This is what we see in our gospel passage as well, which we see John baptizing in the wilderness. He's preparing people for the one who will come after him, the one more powerful than he, the one who will plunge us into the Holy Spirit. And then it says, in those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And if John's baptism was a baptism of repentance, we can ask maybe why was Jesus baptized then? Was he needing forgiveness? No, he wasn't needing forgiveness, but Jesus was baptized, beloved, as an act of solidarity with us in all of our brokenness. Jesus, the anointed one, steps down into the waters of the Jordan. This is a picture of Israel entering into the the waters of the Red Sea, moving through them to deliverance and freedom. This is also a picture of the primordial waters of chaos at the beginning of creation. And in the midst of Israel's suffering under oppression and injustice at the time of Jesus, under petty tyrant rulers who cared only about their own power and privilege, Jesus, the true king, steps into the waters of their chaos. It's a prefigurement of his own death and resurrection. And the text says that as he was coming up out of the water, he saw heavens, the heavens torn apart and the spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice comes from heaven saying, you are my son, the beloved with you, I am well pleased. In the body of Jesus, beloved, we behold a God who wades into the waters of our brokenness, a God who rips open the heavens to be with his people, to be with his broken creation that he loves, a God who speaks words of healing, we behold heaven and earth coming together, divinity and humanity sharing life and love together in the Holy Spirit. There's so much happening <laughs> in this text. I really wish I could get into it all, but that's probably all we can say. But also this, that in this uh, mystery, friends, we don't just witness this mystery, but we participate in this mystery. So as John promised, the one comes after me is going to baptize in the Holy Spirit, and Paul said this as, again to the believers uh, that we read about in Ephesus that he found, uh, that who had not received the Holy Spirit, that same spirit that descends on Jesus descends upon us, empowering us to speak words of life and healing to one another, as we saw in Acts. And as baptized followers of Jesus, you and I, we've been baptized into the same spirit that swept over those primordial waters, giving us power from on high 
to become what we behold in Christ. And so Jesus enters in, in his baptism, he enters into the waters of our chaos and then shares his status as the empowered beloved. He shares that with us. He enters into our hells and brings heaven. And now the words that God speaks over Christ are also spoken over us, over all of humanity, in fact. You are my beloved. You belong to me. I'm forever smiling on you. Because God has become fully and forever human in Christ, all of creation is now caught up in this divine life and love of the Trinity. We're forever connected to God through the flesh of Christ in the presence of the Spirit who empowers us now to walk in the way of love, co-suffering love, entering into the brokenness, into the pain of others, just as Jesus has done with us. Friends, in Christ, God wades into the waters of our own brokenness, fully and forever sharing our humanity so that we can share in his divinity. Right here and now as beloved children, empowered by the Holy Spirit to be new creation, human as God is human, becoming light as we behold the light in the midst of darkness and chaos that still surrounds us. So how do we respond to this good news, friends? As I said earlier, part of what was so painful about witnessing the terror attack on the Capitol on Wednesday was that many of the rioters, not all, but many, were doing it in the name of Jesus because they had been radicalized in the conservative evangelical churches that many of us come from. I'm tempted to dismiss them as crazy outliers. I would like nothing more than to say those people aren't Christians. They're just crazy people who don't represent me, who don't. I want to distance myself from them. I don't know if you feel that same temptation. I want to other them. Uh, but friends, they're not an aberration. What we saw on Wednesday is the natural result of decades of formation in a deficient discipleship that fused faith with nationalism, that did not see a conflict between the American flag and the cross of Christ. It was a discipleship that glorified violence and called people to take back the country for God. It was a discipleship that traded in our sacred call to follow the, to bring the light of Christ to all people and instead exchanged it for the implicitly racist mission to make America great again. Friends, this is painful because this is our cancer. Black and brown people, our brothers and sisters in Christ, have been telling us about this for years, and we've told them that they were overreacting, that they were being too sensitive, too fearful. This is painful, friends, because many of us have remained silent in fear for what other white Christians are going to say, what our family members are going to say, what's going to happen to our businesses, what's going to happen to our churches. So join me in not externalizing blame for these things, not condemning those people out there for doing bad things. What we need to do, table, our parish, as a predominantly white American church, is to repent and reflect on how this cancer of white supremacy still lives in our bodies and in our body. This is part of what it means to be baptized into Christ, is that we reflect on these things and repent of these things. True repentance requires offering every dimension of our life to Christ for healing and for transformation. And part of what I'm learning right now is that part of how white supremacy works is that it embeds itself into our bodies through our culture, even through genetics. White 
black, indigenous, all people of color, everybody's affected by this. And so part of our repentance must be offering our bodies to practices that can dislodge the trauma so that we can experience healing and transformation and justice. Only then can we offer spaces for others to be healed and transformed, creating communities that know how to speak the truth of the light of Christ, communities that know how to serve the needy and the poor, communities that can love our neighbors, who can rejoice in suffering, and who can witness to the light of Christ in the midst of darkness. Uh, during Lent, one of our intentions, which is coming up uh, in about a month, February 17th is Ash Wednesday. During Lent, one of our intentions is to dive more deeply into this in a practical way. Um, we've talked a lot about white supremacy and racism and kind of how it's embedded into our Christian culture. We've talked a lot about this in sermons and pastoral letters, but we haven't really gotten very specific yet about what we can actually do uh, to offer our bodies as living sacrifices to the mercy uh, of repentance that Jesus gives us. And uh, we want to do something uh, intentional during Lent. And so I just want to give you a heads up and invite you to join us. I don't, I don't know what it's going to look like yet, but it will involve bodily practices. It will involve uh, learning about the history of these things. And it will involve practical ways that we can repent um, of the white supremacy that has embedded itself into our bodies, into our body. But for today, let's simply do this. Let's repent together by uh, renewing our baptismal vows knowing that the transformation of the cosmos begins in the particular, in the here and now, in the particularities of our lives and our life together, in the healing of our bodies and of our body together. Because healing always begins with repentance, and repentance is the starting place for our baptism, where we renounce the devil and all the spiritual forces of wickedness that corrupt and destroy the creatures of God. You'll hear this in the, in the baptismal vows that we're about to renew. And friends, white supremacy is a spiritual force of wickedness that we renounce when we make these vows and we spend our lives learning to live into these vows as we turn towards the grace and the truth of Jesus, who is the one who wades into the waters of our brokenness, friends, fully and forever sharing our humanity so that we can share in his divinity. Right here and now as beloved children, empowered by the Holy Spirit to be new creation, human as God as human, becoming light as we behold the light in the midst of the darkness and chaos that still surround us.